da, 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 happy days. Sunday, Monday, happy da, days. Da, da, Tuesday, da, Wednesday, da, da. happy days. Thursday, Friday, happy days. Saturday, what a day. Grooving all week with you. I could go on. Hello, world. I'm your knockout girl. It's misbehavior. Welcome, listeners, to the Misbehavior Journal Club. I'm Amiel Moreno, PhD, here with... Tom Hage, recurring character. And we are two certifiably funny people bringing you the behind-the-scenes look at the latest neuroscience research with humor, pluripotent cells, and humanity. Hey, Tom, this last weekend was Dragon Con, wasn't hey, it? Hey, Amiel, yeah, Dragon Con, yeah. And that's something that happens uh, here in Atlanta where I live, although a lot of people from all over come to see it. It is one of the three things I miss from Atlanta, along with a strip bar and you. No. Yeah. My nickname is Strip Bar. I won't. I won't tell you the order that I miss those things. <laughs> Please don't. Okay. So yeah, Dragon Con's a fun thing that I've have done a lot uh, in the past, but haven't for the past three years for what should be obvious reasons. And hopefully, I don't get sick, but I feel fine. Knock on wood. I feel like. Everybody who I've spoken to or know about who has gone on a plane recently, it's just guaranteed you're going to get sick. Yeah, I think you just run into a wider um, variety of people. At Dragon Con, you're definitely running into the type of people uh, that are And making out with. Yeah, sometimes I didn't make out with anybody. Um, Ah. Oh, we haven't explained what... Dragon Con is. Yes. Dragon Con is, it's a sci-fi and fantasy festival. It lasts four days on Labor Day weekend. It's a mega convention in four hotels in Atlanta. It's uh, not just sci-fi, fantasy, but like everything. There's uh, celebrities come, there's workshops, you can watch movies, you can play games, you can do this, you can do that. The, the main thing is cosplay. That's the draw for me. Dressing up as someone you want to be, meeting other people, uh, etc. Yeah, I think the theme of it more than other conventions. While there are dress-up things going on at every other convention that has to do with fantasy, sci-fi, or any of these types of popular culture cons, specifically with Dragon Con, it's what was the costume that you've worked the past six months on? Yeah. Well, for me, I can say um, I didn't work on a costume because I didn't really think I was going to go again. I was really on the fence. Um, Mm -hmm. But since I work in one of the buildings, the hotels and my building connect to this central food court. I saw some of these people dressed up on Thursday and Friday when I was at work. And I said, you know, I'm going to buy a Saturday, Sunday ticket. And that's what I did. Um And also, Mm -hmm. the thing people don't realize is that this whole thing, most of these buildings are connected with these durable tunnels, and we're confused, sometimes buzzed, people wearing crazy costumes wandering around the durable tunnels trying to figure out where to go next. But anyway, I saw people in the costumes, and I decided to go, and I'm glad I did. What I love about Dragon Con is the times when you see people from different creative universes making out with each other. (laughs) (laughs) It's very fun. You know, Garfield suddenly kissing Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. They're really going (laughs) at it. Good for them. Never saw that coming. That is funny because the friend that I mentioned in the last episode that I met up with and had sex, I also met up at the Dragon Con. I'm kind of glad I didn't see her on the first night, Saturday, because uh, Uh I was dressed as Spider-Man, and she was dressed as Lydia from Beetlejuice. Mm. And that would have been a funny encounter, seeing Spider-Man and Beetlejuice kiss. Did your costumes match up better the second night you were there? Yeah, the second night, she was Lydia as well, but she was uh, one Uh night she was Lydia from the cartoon Beetlejuice, and one night she was Lydia from the movie um, oh, I like her. It was cute. She walked around with the hand, handbook for the recently deceased. <laughs> oh my gosh, I really like this woman. Oh yeah, she's great. Uh, cool. But Sunday, I was uh, Doctor Who, the 10th Doctor, which is why my face is shaven and I hate it. I can't wait to grow my beard back. Oh, yeah, I guess you have gone beard and never gone back. I kind of have, yeah. I like it. I look younger without the beard and I want to look uh, yeah. older. Everyone's usually going the other way. I know, I know. But um, 
I've always had kind of a baby face. And uh, some of these uh, boomer women, older Gen X women that I work with, uh, I like to drop these old references on them. (laughs) Whenever they come in for AAA batteries, which is a common thing, I work in the IT department and Mm-hmm. And, and I always say, hey, you know, these are Fonzie's favorite batteries. You know what he calls them? Hey. And they always laugh. But then they go, <laughs> you, how do you know that reference? Oh. And then I've done this at least once. Then I start singing the theme to Happy Days, which, of course, I know all the words to and have since I was about eight years old. You can tell I don't know this reference because I've never dated a man that old. It's <laughs> always on Nick at night. <laughs> Well, I didn't have cable for a period of time in my childhood, and I hold it against my mother to this day. And I was on the waiting list at Child Protective Services. This child has been deprived of Fonzie? (laughs) Shit. Cultural touchstones lost! And just like Fonzie would hit the jukebox when it wasn't working, that's how your mom dealt with you. Suddenly we're in a courtroom, right? (laughs) This is the argument being presented in court against my mother. Now, I'm just a simple country information technology (laughs) worker, and I don't have any business (laughs) being here in a courtroom in front of the bench. No, sir, you don't. We asked you to leave a number of times. Uh, The the bailiff hasn't been able to get rid of you for some reason because he's weak and powerless, and you're strong and brawny and everyone's... I started pouring... I had my drink in my hand to drink it. I started laughing... And my hand didn't know that my mouth wasn't <laughs> on the drink yet. And it just started to pour it on myself. Oh. You know, that reminds me. I'm going to switch from caffeine to beer. I'm going to be right back. Different ways to make a lady wet, ladies and gentlemen. That's awesome you got to go to Dragon Con. I am so jealous of you. I've got lots of pictures of me at the Doctor Who Uh ball with other Doctor Who's. There's one of us where we're the three of us. We're all we're all the same doctor, the 10th doctor, David Tennant. um, Mm -hmm. And we're all three pointing at each other, looking like like (laughs) like the Spider-Man meme. But you and you and you. uh, I'll, I'll send it to you. You can put it on the show notes. My favorite part of Dragon Con was uh, that I, I was really getting into Rick and Morty the last couple times I was there. And so I would go as Morty, Evil Morty, Sexy Rick. Mm-hmm. And the best thing about that universe is that there are reasons why there could be multiple yes. of those characters in the same place. So when there was that get together with everybody who had dressed up and was interested and liked the show, showed up, it was as if we were at the Citadel, which is a part of the show in which you see all these different versions from different multiverses. So much fun. The first episode of the new season dropped just two days ago. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, shit. I haven't. I haven't. Okay. Okay. You got to catch it on Cartoon Network, I think. I don't have Cartoon Network, but I think you can stream it. Or something. Do I need to say that again so you can cut your burp out? <laughs> nope. <laughs> We're going on to shared announcements, people. Yo. Shared announcements. We are telling you that I'm going to be shortening the show a bit. It's not going to go like an hour and a half like it has before. I'm going to try to keep things down to an hour, which is difficult with the lovely people such as Leah and Tom who get off topic in these wonderful ways. But I'm going to try my best because I just don't. I just don't have time to edit all of it anymore. (laughs) Existential crisis. So people who are listening, I'm so sorry that it will be a little bit shorter, but I hope to pack as much hilarity in as possible. You got two jobs. They're both writing jobs and they tax Mm -hmm. your creative mental muscle and you're doing that all day. And I mean, this was like... (laughs) For the longest time, a, a labor of love hobby kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. now you're actually getting paid for creativity. And it makes sense. And and even mm-hmm. if it were not to say that, that you don't have an exhaustible supply of creativity because you're a comedic and scientific genius and also very pretty <laughs> uh, and who, who's lost weight recently. But... Um, <laughs> 
And that's the other way to do it, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see if I hit the front page of Reddit with my progress pick. Yeah. Anyways, you were saying how wonderful I am. <laughs> Not to say that you don't have an, an inexhaustible supply of creativity, but merely as a function of time, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm, I will yeah. do my best to uh, reel in this comedic genius right here. Are you pointing at your cat? Mm-hmm. I'm a dyslexic pointer. That is a visual joke. They get it. And people, thank you so much if you've signed up for our Patreon. Really appreciate those people very much because that helps make it so maybe I don't have to take another job. Mm. If you cannot pay any money to me on Patreon, just tell other people about the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Let's do some notable news. In this segment, we're going to briefly present a number of noteworthy events or findings from the world of science. I'm going to talk about microglial cells. And the thing that I've resisted doing wow. is looking up where we currently are with glial cells because microglial mm -hmm. is a brand new concept to me. And as I've discovered, it is a very new thing uh, in general to be studying, at least as far as, as I know. And you correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. and I'm sure I am. But all I knew about glial cells is that they were structural cells, and they didn't think that they even did anything. And now they're, and now it's, it's all sorts of other stuff, like connecting neurons and stuff like that. And now these yeah. microglial cells that I'm learning about, it's very fascinating. This is from the journal Nature Neuroscience, titled... A CRISPR I/A platform in human iPSC-derived microglia uncovers regulators of disease states. And that's out of the Institute for Neurodegenerative Diseases and the University of California, San Francisco. The first author is Nina M. Drager, and the last author is Martin Kampman. Constantly impressed with the University of California, San Francisco. Uh, in terms of neuroscience. They are great. I hope they're a good place to work as well. Yeah. Well, uh... I say I say that because I've heard other things about the California schools in terms of grad school. So I'm not going to name names, but the name San Francisco means a lot in neuroscience right San now. San Francisco. So when these hippie microglia weren't begging for change uh, and living out of their van in downtown San Francisco, what did they find? Well... Microglia are currently understudied cells. They act as a cleanup crew for the brain. They sweep up damaged neurons and remove plaques that are associated with dementia. Now, this study is regarding a new CRISPR method to determine a means for controlling the microglia to correct their behavior when they go rogue. Yeah, and when they go rogue, it, it kind of speaks to exactly what their behavior is like. I mean, these cells have behavior. They're motile. They're they're going around two places to do the work that they're assigned wow. to do. They're not like, you know, that one neuron that was set up when you were born that goes all the way to your, your toe and it just kept on growing as you grew. These things get around because they're not neurons. Got, they got people to see, memories to delete, it seems. <laughs> Microglia are what is being looked at for possible uh, cause or certainly association with dementia. Um, even though their job is to clean up these plaques that are associated with dementia and remove the uh, mm -hmm. damaged neurons, um, they go rogue, it seems, sometimes, and uh, go a little too aggressive. Mm -hmm. They start cleaning up more than they should clean up. You know, Dad gets a new weed whacker, and then he's completely <laughs> destroyed the, the entire curb. They start doing shit like this, and they, they think that might be related to it. So they're trying to figure out how they can control them by using CRISPR. So do you want to explain what CRISPR is, or shall CRISPR, I? CRISPR, as I understand it, um, I'm not a scientist, but I have listened to a few Radiolab episodes. Thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you very so, much, Science Friday alum. As I understand, I also listen to science. He corrected his glasses when he as said I, Adjust my reading glasses. <laughs> I also listen to science verses, but that's just because she's Australian and I like hearing her talk about science that way. Oh, yeah. It's really hot. We study dementia <laughs> <laughs> and a microglia. 
<laughs> anyway, so um, yeah, so CRISPR, as I understand it, is an ability that allows you to literally edit a gene by inserting using a, a virus, as I understand, um, elements of the gene, the DNA. <laughs> I don't know. Radiolab don't tell me this much. <laughs> but no, no, you got it. They go in there and they it. cut out the elements and they stick it in using a virus. I mean, in all of the papers that talk about CRISPR, there will be a cartoon of a gene and they have, you know, a little like, here's where the exon or the important mm -hmm. reading part is. Here's another reading part. And they'll have like a little symbol of scissors. Yeah. An icon of scissors there. Because, yeah, they get in there like with their little cutting. Like, it's an analogy that is just <laughs> ubiquitous. Well, the problem with microglia is that they are resistant to CRISPR techniques. So what... Of course they are. The problem child of the immune system. And the... They fuck up so much stuff when it comes to if you've gotten damage in, like, one of those neurons that I mentioned earlier that goes all the way to a distal appendage I thought you were making yours. that up. That's a real neuron? There, yeah. Yeah. How do you think? Well, you know, sometimes uh, it'll transfer to the spinal cord and then pass it on, but other ones will... Just keep going. Oh, shit, if I'm wrong. <laughs> Anywho, I might be wrong there. There might be multiple parts, but they're fucking long, you know? They're they're not, like, having multiple different neurons, like, past the neuron. buck. There are some that are really fucking long. I can't long. take this yeah. to the end of the line. <laughs> I bet they look at other neurons like, you haven't seen what I have. In my day, it was up the axon both ways. They're all the same age. <laughs> Wait, no. Well... Clearly some are getting pruned and new ones are being made. Anyway, um... Do you realize how much they fuck up in terms of, like, healing and just getting into a newly injured place and blocking the repair that is supposed to or should occur? Microglia does, or...? They're part of the inflammation process, and inflammation kills. Yes. Yeah, and that's, that's, one, of the, that's one of the specific things that... Uh, Campman and his team was looking at uh, what causes inflammation. Um, oh, look at you. You know whose lab it is. Other stuff. You, you, you know the last author is the laboratory <laughs> now. He is learning. <laughs> um, well, you know, I try to get enough sleep so that the uh, my central nervous system fluid can sweep out of the ventricles of my brain and... Uh, <gasps> Allow this cleanup process to occur so that I can learn better. You've never been so sexy. You've oh, never. That's the third way to make it happen, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Ew. So not only do we have to deal with the blood-brain barrier, but the uh, microglia are resistant to CRISPR if they're mature. So what these mm. fine ladies and gents did is make some new ones. It seems that when you make some new microglia, they are mm -hmm. a lot more malleable, pliable. You, you can slap them around and make them do what you want to. You're growing them. You're growing right? them. Yeah, they took, they took donated cells and then they made them stem cells. I'm sure it was uh, blood cells or skin cells. I also learned that you can do that today, that you can take the uh, blood stem cells and you can make them pluripotent uh, so that they can become mm -hmm. something else. And then they made them become... Uh, that's a distinction that deserves to be talked about because there was a period of time in this research where you were using juvenile neurons that you had gotten from a aborted fetus or some sort of thing that was pushed out of a woman in some way that wasn't necessarily the... Anyways, uh, it was really a big deal when we ended up not having to use yes. that so that uh, anti-abortion people would shut the fuck up about us doing Turns this out research. they still have to shut the fuck up. They just find other shit to talk about. <laughs> Turns out they are not satisfied yet. This will fix the problem, said the scientist. <laughs> I know, if I just tell them the facts. What if I'm rational with them? That's how it works. I can't even just say stem cells to my mom without her going... Didn't get them from babies. She still doesn't know, you know. That's that's an impression of my mom. They get them from babies. Science is bad and Dungeons and Dragons is evil. <laughs> With the microglia that they make, they can use this CRISPR method on 
Ideally, mm -hmm. we would use these CRISPR method on the mature adult microglia so we can actually tinker and control how they're working. But in this case, they can at least find out what genes are responsible for what behavior in the microglia so they can pinpoint, and that's exactly what they did here. They pinpointed uh, what what's causing the inflammation, what, what makes it want to produce inflammation, what makes it want to uh, oh, prune okay. neurons, or how aggressive does it prune neurons, what makes it control various types of behavior that the team is interested in. So they've been able to isolate exactly which genes are responsible for that in these uh, microglia that they made. What it says, uh, what they're looking at the method is uh, for reading the states and functions of individual microglia cells. Yes. They're looking at what genes those individual cells are expressing. And they're reading mm -hmm. what an individual microglia, they're not taking all the microglia and grinding them up and seeing what they, yeah. they do. Yeah, they were mentioning different states of function. The way they were describing it, they were saying like, all these different microglia have different states that they're in. And so they're producing different, and I was like, they're different from each other, but yet all this, I had no idea that that was, it's almost like, it actually reminds me of the Rick and Morty get togethers at Dragon Con. They're all just different versions of Rick running around your body <laughs> with different jobs, but kind of looking the same. Cell by cell, what genes are being expressed by these different Ricks? Because there might be some variants. You know, and maybe this is a social worker Rick, or maybe there's a teacher Rick, and then there's the council of Ricks. All the ants don't do the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty amazing stuff. Um, yeah, so this is a methods paper about how to do this, right? Well, it's certainly how they did it and how they want to use it in the future to continue doing this. So this is brand new, mm -hmm. hot, hot the presses, research and methods with microglia. Another reason why this is new ground, is, as I think I was saying before, it's, it's only been microglia themselves have only been studied for the past five years or so, and there's been no, <laughs> no. work regarding the no. genetics behind them. Is this not true at all? No, I don't know. We've been labeling microglia for a while. I think that what they were trying to say in the text was microglia haven't been able to be studied like this. Yes. Until very recently. That's what it seemed like to me. Yeah, I'm not sure myself. They're a crazy bunch because you can label them and stuff, but they're kind of spread out doing their own things, being mobile cells in our body. Yeah, some of the uh, the specific factors, genes that they were able to identify are related to survivability, ability to proliferate, mm -hmm. inflammatory substance output, synapse pruning level of aggression. Ooh, aggression. Among other things, but that's those are some main highlights, behavior that they want to uh, find out. And what he wants to do is be able to turn certain genes on or off to mm -hmm. control this kind of behavior. If he can do it with the microglial cells that he created, that his team created, then the hope is that they can focus on pharmaceuticals that act specifically on those genes in the microglial cells. Because again, you can't just use this CRISPR technique on the mature microglia cells. You have to use drugs, and you have to use drugs that can get past the blood-brain barrier. So there's a lot of time that a method like this will save. Yeah, this is big. This is a great discovery that these people have done. So yeah, uh, Martin Campman seems to understand the import of what he's done here. In a separate interview that I read about this, he said, our study provides a blueprint for a new approach to treatment. It's a bit of a holy grail. Wow. Those are strong words from a strong... No, I don't know who he is, but those are strong words from any scientist. Yes, but is it reproducible? You know, this got me thinking about some reproducibility stuff. Mm -hmm. just, uh, just taking a look at this paper on the surface, whenever there's a methods paper, I wish that there was a journal where you, when you publish a paper, two different methodologies that were run in different parts of the world and different labs, 
For any methods paper, that would be really helpful if there was like dueling banjo labs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well. Well, that's never going to happen. I picked this because uh, I like reading about... Your cat is oh, he's so loud. I picked this because I I like big butts. And you... I cannot lie. The microglia in my head will not deny. Deny. <laughs> God, we are not funny. I am so no, sorry, audience. No, I'm tired. You caught me tired after Dragon Con. I'm oh, still recovering. Oh yeah, I've I've been there before. Okay, I love microglia, I love studying about it, and this is brand new stuff, and when I read it, I got halfway through it, and I was like, I'm still not lost, so I'm going to pick this <laughs> article and and try to talk about it. You picked an awesome article. Thank you so much for bringing it to the show. Yeah, me! Yes, you. All right, now it's time for my awesome article, which is totally a different direction, but still in the neuroscience studies from Frontiers in Molecular Neuroscience. And he can be a kicker. He can't bite me. When I when I don't have a beard, he rubs and then he bites my chin. Wait a bad boy. So he's like, rub, rub, bite. Boy. Rub, rub, bite. I'm going to put when that. I, that's going to be the clip in the beginning of the show. When I rub, have rub, the, bite. <laughs> rub, rub, bite. I like the other one better. I know. With the beard, he just like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, rub, rub, yeah. rub her face. And then sometimes he bites after rubbing, right? Very little with the beard. I, I can't even remember when he bit, but with, but with this, it's almost like he's mad. He's like, why did you do okay. this? Ugh. All right, we're going to get back on track. This is out of Frontiers in Molecular Neuroscience. It's titled, Transcriptomes suggest that pinnipeds and cetacean brains have a high capacity for aerobic metabolism while reducing energy-intensive processes such as synaptic transmission. What a title. It's out what? of... I just way too long. Oh, it's sorry. a pinniped. It's out of the University of Hamburg, Germany. The first author is Gissner, and the last author is Burmester. Gester and Burmester. Okay, so... The, the Gester and the Mester. What is a pinniped? That is one of your favorite animals. It's a Ooh, seal. Geez. Oh, a seal. Yeah, and a cetacean. A cetacean? That is... Oh, boy, I love cetaceans. <laughs> I have loved cetaceans ever since I was about 17 years old, and I fell in love with all marine mammals that have the little boobly-bobbly thing on their head that allows them... What are you writing a book? Tell me what the fuck it is. That allows them to produce the sonar uh, sounds and pick them up and they use the... Oh, they're bats. No, they use the underwater sonar, the cetaceans like uh, whales and dolphins and porpoises and um, other... Diving mammals like the hooded seal or the blue whale, they can spend long periods of time underwater without any new oxygen. Wow. This study got into... How the fuck do they do that? So these yeah. researchers at University of Hamburg, Germany, were trying to understand how these species are adapted to withstand extreme and recurrent hypoxia, which is going without oxygen, at a cellular level. That's better than that magician guy that goes underwater for a long time. You mean David <laughs> Blaine? That's it. David Blaine. The seal David Blaine would, would be way better. And he didn't even have to get a little crazy to survive. Yeah I, yeah, I don't know how he did that. And I think that's kind of good on him. I couldn't tell. So that, that was the whole purpose of a magic trick is people not. There you go. Anywho, how I would do it when I was a little girl is I'd take these rapid, fast breaths like I was hyperventilating mm -hmm. before I wanted to go under the water for a long time. Oh. I would also then breathe out into my mouth because I heard <laughs> that you don't pick up all the oxygen the first time you breathe. There's still oxygen in your exhale. So I would breathe out into my mouth and then breathe in that mouth air to try to extend the amount of time that I could be underwater. God, I think I was 10. <laughs> that sounds like a very 10-year-old thought process. <laughs> right? All I got to do... <laughs> Just breathe back in my cheek ear. I can't. 
<laughs> then I can die for the pearls that my mother makes me do, or I won't eat tonight. Woo! Getting dark. No, I remember back in the day, what would happen was the adults would want the kids to shut the fuck up so that when they're playing at the pool, the adults will <laughs> occasionally reach in their pocket, grab some change, and just throw it in the pool. <laughs> Go get it, kids. Go get it, you bastard. And you get to keep whatever penny or nickel oh. that you find. Anywho, now that you know what a dork I used to be, they wanted to look at brain cells because they're the most oxygen-hungry cells in the body. They need continuous vascular oxygen and nutrients. And they looked at how there's different genes that are expressed in these cells in the brain in whales versus cows, and they compared seals to mice for some reason. Doesn't that just work for everything? We use mice for everything. It's always. Yeah, always I don't know why they applicable. didn't do seals and cows, though. <laughs> I, it seemed as though. Sorry if I don't understand this, Hamburg, but as an entire city. But <clears throat> I, it looked as though this paper was uh, two different experiments hmm. tied into one paper, which is fine. Um, that's just sometimes how it works out. So they compared the transcriptome. So this is all the genes that a cell is making of diving okay. mammals with land mammals to identify, which is called gene ontology or GO terms. That's a horrible three series of words to have to put in when you just mean genes of interest. I don't know why they shortened gene ontology terms to GO terms. Why even have that terms in there? It's stupid. It's like pen number. <laughs> yes, it's uh, needlessly confusing for newbies, but I have found that that is the point of genetics, is to make other people <laughs> not understand it. I'm smart and you're not, so go back to studying history. I've never, as an outsider science, struggled more than with genetics papers in terms of their terminology mm. and their assumption of what you know. That This paper wasn't an example of that. Just making fun of this term. So first you create a list of genes that are differentially expressed in your experimental group. So you're looking at diving mammals and you compare them to the control, the non-diving animals. And then you look at the biological processes and the cellular components and the molecular function that are associated with these genes. That's a lot. And then you put sauerkraut on it. Yeah, but it ends up being like, this gene's related to mitochondrial workings. Like, And then you look at the other genes that are dealing with mitochondrial workings, and you see, in general, the genes that we know what they do, how are they expressed in these two different groups? Does that make sense? Yes. Awesome. Next thing, lasers. They used laser capture microdissection. Finally. What that means... <laughs> What that means is they have a, a tissue and they're looking at a bunch of different types of cells, including microglia. They're not caring about microglia. They're no. interested in neurons. So they use a laser to remove all the cells that they don't care about and only process the ones they're interested in. This Rich allows get richer. <laughs> Gotta what? get rid of the little guy. The little guy got in the way. You microglia. Get out of here, see? <laughs> only that big guy is run here. You're fucking everything Pruning up. cells. You pruned my sister's cell. But get you. I've lost this analogy completely. Covers it. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. So you're saying the microglia are the working class? Yeah. In the this analogy, are the working class? They they clean things up. They fuck everything around and like prune the wrong shit. Maybe that's what's going on. They're like, I am They're... tired of this. Change has to come from the bottom up, and we're going to have a riot. And by the time <laughs> the brain that they live in gets somewhere around 80, 90 years old, they're like, I can't handle this shit anymore. They're acting their wage. <laughs> that's the brain. Yeah, they're acting their wage, and it's not livable. They're not going to let us live. So what did they find? Um, I'm going to just say the cetacean and the pinnipeds in general. There were some finer distinctions between the two, but just for the sake of clarity, um, I'm not going to break them up. They found high expressions of mitochondrial go terms. 
So this is the part of the cell that makes ATP, which is our primary source of energy. They found a higher expression of these, not only the things that are the building blocks of um, mitochondria in general, but also the genes that are responsible for the internal functions of mitochondria. Hmm. So they have super mitochondria. In a way, yes. We, they, Turbocharged mitochondria. This is indicating something so cool. So they weren't studying how many mitochondria they have or if they have a different type. All they see is the expression of the gene. But what these findings might mean is that the neurons in these particular animals are packed with as many mitochondria as they can fit. This would create this sucking of all the oxygen that's possible from the circulating cerebral spinal fluid or the blood, whatever is next to these mitochondrial things. It's going to create a mm. sinkhole. This could be a way to pull as much oxygen from this fluid that it can. Yeah, that's cool. Nature abhors a vacuum. And I wonder, like, why don't we just do that already since all mammals certainly need oxygen? Right? Is there drawbacks to it? Yeah, yeah. Actually, they had... Having too much oxygen? No, not quite that. But in order to not use as much oxygen, you might have to... Be a stupid seal. You might have to lose some other things. And uh, one of the things that you would generally think might not be the best for a thinking animal, but they seem to be smart enough, they have lower expression of neurotransmitter genes. So these are the vesicles that transport... These are the actual signaling molecules. They just decide not to spend as much energy on sending signals in the brain. And somehow they can still survive and learn, even though they're working with so much less of this. That's because it eats up so much energy. It's like an Adobe Photoshop running on your computer, just like... <laughs> 40%. You're like, what the fuck? I can't have anything else open. What's making my computer so slow? Google Chrome. <laughs> the fuck? Now, which well, at these... least I have that gradient in the blood, you know? <laughs> Another thing that's different with these animals is how they handle glutamate. Glutamate is a major contributor to neurotoxicity during hypoxia. It'll be signaled and then it'll hang around while it's just hanging around, it starts to just damage stuff. It is a dangerous molecule that we use functionally in our body. And when we are not able to manage it, it causes havoc. You know, so when you're running low on oxygen, you don't have much ATP, and you can't get this fucking poisoned thing out of the synaptic cleft where it's doing all this damage. So the best analogy I came up with this is like, it's okay if a kid rings a doorbell, right? But if you just have a kid who's standing by the door who just keeps on pressing the doorbell, you're going to be like, all right, all right, like just shut the fuck up and you're going to want to get it out of that situation as fast as possible. Two dollars. <laughs> Old reference. Reminds me of microglia, what we were talking about earlier. You know, they, they do a job that's cool, but if they hang around too much, they might end up fucking shit up. God, it's like everything, like uh, autoimmune diseases. Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. Allergies, asthma, shit like that. I guess another analogy would be like moils. If the moil has shown up to the home to circumcise the baby, then oh that's God. cool. But if he hangs around just circumcising people, you're going to have a horrible party. Don't circumcise my dog. You can <laughs> just... circumcise my peanut butter sandwich. I like it with the crusts off, actually. Oh, this is nice. It's actually oh, nice. Oh, the jellies everywhere. <laughs> oh, why did he use his mouth to remove the crust? Oh, God. Well, that's the way to do it. That is not always the way. Th I think that's a specific Hasidic thing. Oh, I Leah? think I know. Leah? I think I know. Yeah, as a Tennessee boy, <laughs> you definitely know. A Tennessee boy who was just raised in Baptist churches. I mean, I know about, you know, all the dang old Judaism. All them Jewish uh, New York stuff. Can't have pork chops or nothing. Shit. And the defamation leagues are coming after us now. I mean, you're missing out. My meemaw used to make the best pork chops and applesauce. They found lower expression of glutamate-related proteins. This um, 
wasn't true for the transporters. They had high rates of that. These neurons are able to get the glutamate out of the fucking cleft and shut up that little kid touching the door. Get out of my cleft! Oh, God. Yeah. You know, I couldn't help but think about that when I was writing about this. Uh, yeah, don't like people hanging out in my cleft either. <laughs> get out of my cleft! Finally, they had a high expression of antioxidant-related genes. So this is making up for the damage of having all these oxygen processing. You have all these extra mitochondria. During the oxidative phosphorylation that the mitochondria are doing to make the ATP, they make a bunch of reactive oxygen species, and they like to damage things. So how do you fix that? Well, you make some more antioxidant molecules to handle all of that poison you're creating. And that's why whales don't have wrinkles. I think, you know, this has all already been covered in a book I read called If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. Yeah? How so? <laughs> you're not familiar with the work of... Uh... No, let me uh, ask you to play out the analogy for me. Well, if you give a mouse a cookie, yes. then the mouse will want some milk. And then if you give the mouse Presumptuous. some milk, well, then the mouse will want to be read a story. And if you read the mouse a story, then the mouse will want to snuggle up. And if you let the mouse snuggle up, then the mouse huh. will want a blanket and the mouse will want pajamas. This seems like the slippery slope fallacy. <laughs> okay, um, I was kind of joking about it at first, but for realsies... How is this like, uh, ask a, a mouse asks for a cookie? Well, I, I was making a joke about a slippery, it was a slippery slope joke. that Yes, you, please what? relate it back to, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about in terms of this paper, and you ask a mouse a cookie. So, in the children's book, if you give a mouse a cookie, it was... I already know that. <laughs> Maybe the audience is on Tell me how it relates to the paper. One thing leads to another, and you get a feedback loop that builds upon itself and gets worse and and worse. You need these good things to happen, and but the good things can have negative consequences. And if you have too many of these things that mm. hang, hang around and do the good thing, they have negative consequences, and pretty soon the negative consequences outweigh the positive things because you just got too too much too much of them. Yeah, and then you have to come to the surface for some air. You got to come to the surface for some air. Yeah, but you can stay down there longer. And in conclusion, the researchers here, when quote exploring the molecular mechanisms of neuronal hypoxia tolerance. Gene expression profiles of specific cell types are more informative than the whole tissue transcriptomes. This is getting back to their amazing laser technique, which probably took a fuck ton of time. Good job, guys and gals of Germany. If I have to sum up this study, it's uh, increased ATP production and reduced ATP expenditure is how these animals are able to stay under the water so long. That's pretty cool. There's there's negative consequences to it in that they have less neuronal synapse firing. We don't even know if that's quite a, a negative. We don't necessarily know. Yeah. I don't know how that would, other than it obviously meaning that less signals are being made, I can't put my finger on exactly what that would do. It doesn't necessarily do. mean they're, so, they're stupid. Definitely not. No, because they can honk different. Yeah, they can uh, do horns things. Yeah, in in an order to. Oh wait, that's sea lions. <laughs> Damn it! I should know the difference well, by now. Pinnipeds in general, they're both pinnipeds, right? Seals and yeah, sea lions. Yeah, but they use the hooded seal. They specifically seal. use the hooded seal. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But any, anyways, um, yeah, they they don't seem dumb. Like I think koala. it's kind of like koalas are really dumb you, because they got to use all of their energy to convert the poisonous eucalyptus mm. eucalyptus leaves into energy that they can use but there's no other animal that can do it so that's their evolutionary niche but they have like a nearly smooth mm, smooth, smooth brain. brain another biology trick is that birds in general the flighted birds will have less dna like the the quote-unquote junk dna is more heavily removed from their genome and the thought is that over the course of every single cell in the body this makes them lighter so they can fly Oh, well, their bones are hollow. 
it's not the only reason, but it's a contributing thing. It, it's a theory, though. It hasn't been proven. Maybe these. And I just broke up with a guy because he didn't understand the definition of theory. Theory. Smooth. It helps you. Boyfriend. <laughs> He's a smooth, smooth brain. Oh my god. He's a smooth brain boyfriend. Now he's out of my life. Uh-oh. Smooth brain boyfriend. Oh, that wasn't the song you're going for. He's not saying for. interesting things. He doesn't read a book. Doesn't read the science book. He has big chunky arms. He can lift oh, up things gosh. and put them down. But not That's as long nice. as they're not books. <laughs> Okay, this is bonus material. Yeah, I just broke up with a man, and uh, some of the things that he believed became very problematic, as well as the way he but treated me. But it's just me. a theory, Amiel. How do they know when they call oh. it a theory of evolution? How can you say anything is that old? How are they saying this? Well, they're admitting it's a theory. They don't understand then, it. How are they just saying that it's that That's old, like though? Saying, like saying... There's, I hear other people a different language. I don't understand what they're saying. Therefore, they're not saying anything because I don't understand it. Oh, God. Yes. If only I would thought to pull out that analogy instead of try to reason with him as if he is a reasonable person. Yeah, that's been Turns fun. out no. Oh, computer says no. All right. It's time for closing ceremonies, motherfuckers. During the closing ceremonies, we like to leave you with a takeaway. This is what we've learned in the show or some bit of advice, a way to see the world or our current interests in progressing and growth that we share to you right now. Oh, you want to go for... Yeah. Uh, Tom, what go I've first. learned is that microglia are helpful, but rude little buggers if you don't get them under control. I've also learned that these pinnipids are not necessarily dumb, they're just more efficient, perhaps. You know, like a, a boomerang. It's an efficient stick. Normal stick, you just throw it, and it stays there. Boomerang comes right back. The pinnipeds show us all that we should work smarter, not harder. Oh, nice. Thank you, Tom. My takeaway is uh, talking about convergent evolution, something my ex might not believe in. He doesn't know what convergent means. He doesn't know what evolution means. I can't believe I can't. Okay. Uh. <laughs> okay, seals and whales. They don't have a very recent common ancestor, I believe. In fact, they diverged before the genetics that I talked about right now actually came into existence in those species. So I guess my takeaway would be um, just because there's one destination doesn't mean that there's not many different paths to get there. So keep that in mind. If you see people going a different way, it doesn't mean that they're not going to get to the same place as you or that you want to go. They just are taking a there's different path. Paths. Many, many ways to get the same job done. Mm-hmm. And please follow the show on Twitter at MisbehaviorJC and Instagram at the same freaking thing. You can find me, Curls PhD or Trouble Helix with two X's. And our missing co-host today, Leah, can still be found active at Hawks in Socks. That's H-O-X-I-N-S-O-C-K-S. And don't bother following me. I don't have any sort of real uh, presence on the internet. I do like to read other people's stuff, particularly Trouble Helix. <laughs> and you should you should also do that. Thank you so much. Yeah, following the shows is awesome if you do it. And if you don't, really appreciate it. Uh, what you just reminded me of is one of my favorite lines in The Simpsons. When Barney is the subject matter and perhaps also the director of an independent film that is <laughs> in which he says, Don't cry for me, I'm already dead. Uh. <laughs> 
Thank you for allowing us into your auditory pathway, exciting your neurons and hopefully your imagination. Tell your friends that you enjoy this show. Um, you just write it in a bathroom stall with a permanent <laughs> marker. You can tell your enemies. Just don't tell your PI. Please subscribe. That really does help. Please just press that little button. Thank you. Thanks. Oh, you just did it. Ooh, that tickles. Thanks. Ooh, love it. Wherever you listen to podcasts. And we hope you join the club again soon. Microglia cleans up the brain so you can get back to your dumb life again. They sweep up dead neurons and disgusting plaque, but can be a tad hasty when they go on the attack. Not there, microglia. That's a healthy synapse. I must clean, never ceasing, never tire, never lapse. Microglia, you fucking little bugger. Now my grandma can't recognize mother. There's a team of brainy brain girls and boys on the call to sort out this mess named Catman at all. Over-aggressive brain bits be gone. They're going to categorize, define, and determine what's wrong. But don't hold your breath for something usable. First, we determine if the results are reproducible. Yeah. Is it? So let's take a break from that for a while and talk about my favorite animal. It's not crocodiles, but they do go underwater for a super long time. Cetaceans and pinnipeds, dolphins and sea lions. Science is lovely. Turns out it's true. These animals get more oxygen than you. They dive a long time, 30 minutes to an hour, with cells chock full of mitochondrial power. First name Cornelia, last name Gessner. She's the first author and the last is Burmester. Transcriptome suggests, according to them, of aerobic metabolism and transmission. Pinniped mitochondria are greater in number, so they make ATP like Thor makes thunder. Further, I'll add, from what we hear, they use less glutamate and keep that cleft clear. So that's the key factor, they did blame listen up, why they died for so long without coming up. Now it's time for this gator to go bye-bye. Have a skim soy latte and try not to cry. So subscribe and listen and tell all your friends, Armiella's gonna make me write a silly song again.